0: You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen.
1: Lord, we thank you so much for your blessings throughout this week that we've been together. We thank you for the people that have come out. We thank you for the people that are watching on live stream or listening through some other modality or platform. We ask you to bless all of us as we listen to this last presentation. Help us to present with clarity. Help everyone who's listening to receive with openness the word of your spirit. Help us to understand the resolution that you have for the problem of those churches in Rome. That it might be the resolution that can Guide us to oneness in our churches here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. And in a sense, my wife's prayer leads us to our first question. So what? Why spend five presentations at a camp meeting in 2021 talking about ethnocentrism in a first century church. So, what? In other words, how is this message relevant for us today? We want to start with a critical takeaway. And we want you to get this because it's extremely important, and so we have it—we have it coming at you in a very slow way.
1: God the Father and Son will not pour out the Spirit in latter rain power on a divided people.
0: Huh? Read it one more time, hon.
1: God the Father and Son will not pour out the Spirit in latter rain power on a divided people.
0: Now, in your mind, you should be saying to us, in your mind, prove it. Because this statement has implications for the Seventh-day Adventist church right now. And so we must prove this assertion. Is that right? Okay. So let's prove it. Let's go to Brother Luke. And you know he wrote the book, Luke, the Gospel, and the book of Acts. He is Luke.
1: When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit.
0: And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at this in The next video clip.
2: What happened that day? When the Spirit arrived? When the Holy Spirit came? What happened then? It got loud. Loud enough to be heard all over town. Fire appeared. Divided and dispersed to each of them. The outsiders came running and they heard the fire-talkers tell of God's mighty works in their own language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Rome, Jews, Proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians the Spirit had come to describe the glory of God in their native tongues through those who followed Christ. These representatives of the world stood astounded but curious, bewildered but ready. Then Peter showed them from the scripture exactly what it meant, revealing God's promise to all who trust in Jesus. And many believed. And many repented, and many were baptized, and many were saved. The Spirit had come. The church was born.
0: Okay, now, after this video, we want to raise the question,
1: What was the prerequisite for the outpouring of the Spirit?
0: so let's not speculate. My opinion and your opinion in this regard means nothing. What does the Bible say? We're talking about now the prerequisite for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, we in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we talk about the former reign and we talk about the latter rain, but have we ever investigated it? It's very important to see what the Bible says.
1: Textual answer? Jesus breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, so this is after the resurrection. He breathes on the apostles and the apostles receive the Holy Spirit. Are we together? Now look at this.
1: Christ gave his spirit to disciples before Pentecost.
0: Uh-huh. And now look at Acts 1.14.
1: These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers.
0: Mm. Follow, follow, important note.
1: Christ's spirit produced reconciliation and pre-Pentecost oneness.
0: Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Do you all remember what was going on in the upper room just before Jesus died? Were they of one accord? Before the... Holy Spirit fell. The Holy Spirit produced what? Reconciliation and oneness. Now, let's stop. Let's pause. Did I just make this up? Or is it in the word? It's in the word. You know, I really have a problem with proof text, ain't. You can make the Bible say anything, and this is why we need to follow the arguments within the Bible. Now, you need this grammatic insight, and again, remember I told you that I won't bother you with Greek unless it is what? Absolutely necessary. Okay, so it's necessary right now. Okay, so you're going to help us. Because we want you to remember something right now because we're going to need it later. Will you do that? Okay, watch.
1: Luke uses the Greek word homothumadon, one accord, a compound term, homo, same, and thumas, life principle, literally one mind or heart.
0: One mind, one heart. They were in one accord. Okay? Now I want you to remember this word, Homo, could barely get it out myself. Homo, I want you to remember this word because it's going to come up at a critical point again. Are you going to remember it? <laughs> 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 Homo, okay, Homa so thumanon. yeah, yeah. So let's do it together. Homo. Homo. Homo? Homo. Thumadon.
1: Thumadon.
0: Okay, good. Now.
1: Prior to mission and as a necessary preparation for it, God's spirit falls on 120 believers who are united in Christ through the power of the spirit. Do you see this? They receive the love and humility of Jesus issuing in oneness. Saints, are you all getting this?
0: These 120 people, many of whom did not like each other, allowed the Holy Spirit to do a work in both what? Mind and, and heart. And that is why Jesus told them before you go on mission, you better tarry. We're always running for some mission. We need to tarry until the Holy Spirit does the work that only the Spirit can do. Are we together? We're going somewhere.
1: Critical clarification. Institutional Israel did not experience the oneness created by the Spirit.
0: (laughs) You all don't get this, Steve. You You know, let me put the next line up and then comment it.
1: (laughs) It was only received by a remnant of God's covenant people.
0: So did all of Israel receive reconciliation and oneness? Can I ask you a question? Why do we believe that all Adventism will? Show it to me in the Bible. Paul calls himself in Romans 11, a remnant out of Israel, and only a remnant became one in the Spirit. People are always asking me, you know, will this ever happen to the whole church? Well, the idea is, according to Scripture, no. But Christ is going to have a remnant that is one. Oh, don't say amen, okay? I know that's a tough word. Because like Israel, we are socialized to believe that if we go to church on Sabbath with a remnant, and it's not in the Bible, God's remnant will accept his conditions, and part of that is oneness in the spirit. Now, and you may want to question at the end of the presentation, let's go to application questions.
1: According to Paul, how is oneness in Christ achieved?
0: Yeah, now we're going to get really practical and down to earth. How is oneness achieved? Next question.
1: How can Adventists truly say we are one in Christ?
0: Is this a good question? Everybody ready for it? Okay. We go back to Romans and Paul's assertion Christ has welcomed you. Now we're looking at solution,
1: benediction. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Jesus Christ, so that together you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Analysis.
1: Paul uses an internal benediction or prayer to close his argument. With the words grant you, He emphasizes the necessity of God's power through the Spirit for Gentiles and Jews to live in harmony with one another.
0: Yeah, and so we go back to this divided community and Paul is making the point that God has to give Jews and Gentiles in Rome the ability to live in harmony with one another. It does not come from us. You know, you can come up with all the strategic plans you want. They will never work to produce unity in this church. Unity must come. Harmony must come through the power of the Holy Spirit.
1: Paul then provides the necessity, literally, according to Christ Jesus. Harmony is not an option it represents Christ's will for believers. (laughs) I gotta repeat some of these
0: things. You know, we like to have board meetings and discuss some things and that's good. You know, collegiality is good, discussion's good, democracy is good. But because Jesus is Lord, he can require some things. He died for us, he loves us, and he can require some things of his children. And he requires harmony. He requires oneness. This is not optional. If you're going to be in Jesus Christ, then we must receive the harmony and the oneness that he will provide through his spirit. You can't do it, but he will provide it. Now, do you know something? I can keep him from doing it. You know, we didn't have an opportunity to finish the last presentation, and you can get it. Um, you can get it on the website. But I need to tell you this: that in chapter 16 of Romans, you had leaders in Rome who were promoting ethnocentrism. You had Gentiles and Jews promoting ethnocentrism, promoting division. And you know why they were doing it. They were doing it for power and material gain. And Paul calls them right in chapter 16, check it out. He calls them proxies for Lucifer. This is within the church. I got to tell the story. Should I tell the story, huh? I got to tell it. you know the spirit had already said tell it and then i had to check no okay <laughs> 41 years okay so so i passed it only in southern california okay i didn't have a ministry you know in the east i never had a regional conference ministry anything like that i was in the state conference huh and i'm not even going to say the conference i'll get that that would get me in trouble okay Okay, so so, the lay people in the conference, well, let me start, let me go back. In California, you don't have regional conferences. You don't have white conferences per se. But in our conference, you have the white group, the black group, the Hispanic group, and the Asian group. They all have a coordinator and they all have a conference committee. Did you all know that? Okay. So, years ago, the lay people at a constituency meeting said, why are we duplicating all of these positions? Why are we spending all of this money? It's duplication. We need to get together and become one. Now, they didn't say it for the right reasons, but they were looking at the bottom line. And so it was voted at that constituency meeting that we would only have regions, and you had a region coordinator, excuse me, and all the groups were in each region. Okay, you with me? Back then, we had our constituency meeting every three years. The black pastors, the white pastors, the Hispanic pastors, and the Asian pastors got together to destroy that unity. Now, they never got together to do evangelism. And so at the next constituency meeting, what was voted? To go back into our ethnic enclave because each group had power over their own group. This is what Paul is criticizing in Romans 16, because you had people doing the same thing. By the way, lead us. And Paul is arguing that it's straight from hell. Let's be clear. We have, you know, we're not going to have an opportunity again, so we have to deal with this, right? Okay, good. Next?
1: Next, Paul employs the construction so that to introduce the purpose.
0: Now, get this now. What word did you learn already?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Homothumadom.
0: Okay, let's do it one more time. (laughs) Homothumadom. You, Hom- you got me messed up. Homothumadon. <laughs> homothumadon. Say it one more time.
1: Homothumadon.
0: Okay. Now, I want to show you something.
1: Like Luke, Paul uses homothumadon, one accord, here translated together, literally, so that in one accord and with one voice.
0: Paul is saying with one mind, with one heart, and then with one proclamation. We're supposed to be together in mind and in heart and in proclamation. We're all supposed to be proclaiming Jesus Christ. Jesus says, when I am lifted up. Not when my ethnicity is lifted up.
1: Get this. Believers glorify God through spirit-produced oneness in Christ.
0: That's how you glorify God. That's how you say, God, your character is good, through oneness. Now, let's go to the invitation.
1: Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God.:
0: Important clarification.:
1: To explain on what basis believers should live, Paul uses a rhetorical vice, device, the indicative and the imperative.
0: Yeah, now I told you before that Paul is dealing with argumentation, he's dealing with rhetoric. Don't let those big words get in your way. But he uses this device called the indicative and the imperative and we're going to explain it right now but you need to see it because we're going to use it to unpack the text Paul's ethical framework now watch how he operates
1: the indicative grace and the imperative faith
0: the indicative the fact the imperative the command
1: the indicative God saving facts in Christ. This is what God has done. Yeah. The indicative.
0: So these are the things that you can count on because they have already occurred. They have already been done. So when you say Jesus Christ died for my sins, that is an indicative statement. That's a fact, okay?
1: Now watch this. The imperative, God's spirit-enabled claims in Christ what he asks us to do.
0: So Jesus Christ, through his apostles, he will always ask you to do something based on what he has already done. Oh, come on, tell me you get that. You know, that's good stuff. Now let's show you how it works.
1: <clears throat> Question, what do you see in this text in light of Paul's ethical framework?
0: And we're talking about the text just above. Read it one more time, hon.
1: Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God.
0: Where's the indicative and where's the imperative? I
1: want you to see it before
0: we move. OK, mm-hmm. say it louder. What's the indicative? Oh, you all you all got it. This is a good class. <laughs> Join us this afternoon. Okay. Okay, now the interpretive lens.
1: Pauline reversal. The imperative first and then the indicative. The command assumes the fact.
0: Yeah, so Paul can switch it up, but he, he still has to have both. But you can turn them back around. So he's going to start with what? The imperative. And then he's going to move to the indicative. And he does it for a reason. Let me get some water here. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. <clears throat> OK. <clears throat> That's better. OK, now.
1: The imperative, do. Paul uses a Greek word, proslambano, except an intensified form of lombano, which means to take or receive. The sense is reciprocal and continuous. The conjunction for links the invitation with the goal. God glorified.
0: Now, get this because it's really important. Paul uses this Greek word pros lambano. It can mean accept, in our translation, it means what? Welcome, it can mean accept, it can mean receive. Aren't all of those synonyms related? You know, if I, if I welcome Carol home, I'm inviting her in, right? If I receive Carol in, huh? same thing. How about if I accept her in? Paul can use all of those synonyms, but it means the same thing, okay? And based on the grammatic construction, it's not just receiving one time. It's receiving what? Over and over and over again. You are a good class. Ah, Because you got it. I can tell you have it. Now, watch this.
1: Greco-Roman usage of proslambano.
0: Ah, you know, we talk about context. See, so we gave you the biblical usage. Now, how was it used among pagans? It'll give us some insight. Watch this.
1: Extend welcome, accept into one's society. Receive into one's home or circle of acquaintances. Afford table fellowship, hospitality. Take into friendship, grant access into one's heart. Oh,
0: you all got to see this. Lord, have mercy. This is the first century usage. No, hon, you got to read
1: it again, please. (laughs) Extend welcome, accept into one's society, receive into one's home or circle of acquaintances, afford table fellowship, hospitality, take into friendship, grant access into one's heart.
0: That's how the word was used in the first century, among pagans.
1: Get this. Important note. In pagan Roman society, this invitation was never offered to the ethnic other.
0: Oh, Lord. I need to run off the stage. I mean, you see how beautiful it is? But it was never extended for example to a Jew. Let's look at the example. So you see the table? And oftentimes in Roman households you would have not the high table that we're accustomed to in the west but very low tables with 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 um, um cushions with cushions with cushions or couches and your feet would be away from the table and your head would be towards the table. Okay, so let me show you how it would look in a Roman banquet or symposia. And look at who they had serving. They had all this food. Are you noticing anything about the serving sizes? (laughs) (laughs) And then you had the slave who was responsible for service. Now, now, now look at this, look at this. Background information.
1: Different quality and quantity of food Based on status,
0: you know we talk about social stratification. So, based on your status, you receive not only the amount of food but the quality of food. (laughs) You all would love that banquet, wouldn't you? (laughs) Look at this:
1: insults given and received based on social rank, shame intended. Yeah. So remember, we said before when we talked about honor shame that. Honor was a a finite quantity. There was only so much honor in society, and the way you gain honor to yourself was by heaping shame on people that were lesser than you. So you got honor by imposing shame.
0: Right. Now, look at the last thing, and don't forget it.
1: Those invited were of the same ethnicity. Do you see it? Does it make,
0: does it make Paul's words more potent? Yeah. Let's go back.
1: Key points. Paul's invitation is based on divine authority. Thus, he commands divided Gentile and Jewish believers in Rome to receive one another into intimate fellowship through Christ's spirit.
0: What kind of fellowship? You know, ask yourself, and I'm, I'm going to make you uncomfortable for a moment here. And the best way to do that is to pick on myself, right? I'm not going to pick on you. Pick on myself. I am a Seventh-day admin- minister, and I've been in ministry 40 years. I have had many black and Hispanic families in my house. I have had many, many, many black families sleep in my house. I have never had a white Adventist family. And don't look at me strange because most of you all haven't either. because we think it's normal. We have been taught with we have been taught from the cradle, you know, stay with your group. You're more comfortable. Is this uncomfortable for me to talk about? You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free is urging something different here. The Gentiles and Jews in Rome, they weren't dealing with each other. They didn't know each other. They didn't eat, um, what's some good Jewish food? Knish. Knish.
1: Yeah. Demar- no, Give
0: me some good Gentile food. My wife's a good cook.
1: <laughs> Hot dogs and potato salad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: My goodness. Okay, let's move.
1: <laughs> Paul's imperative echoes the command of Jesus.
0: Did you get that? It echoes the command of Jesus, and you need to say, "Oh, Jesus' command? What was that? What are you talking about? Video." Yeah, they told me I had to wait. Jesus' command.
1: You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect.
0: You know, look at this definition of perfection. Interesting, right?
1: Jesus calls believers to spirit-enabled maturity.
0: Christ likeness Christ likeness Christ get it now this is Jesus speaking love God love neighbor especially your enemies that's the way of God in Christ and can I do that You know, I'm from Brooklyn. You know, in Brooklyn, you you don't mess around. You need the spirit, right, of Jesus Christ to do that.
1: Okay, let's go. Question? Which group, Gentiles or Jews, should make the first move? Oh, I
0: have heard this in our church. Look at this question.
1: What if the other group does not reciprocate?
0: You know, we got cultural fears going on. But you know, you know, you know Paul has an answer for that, right? Okay, let's go to it. And now the indicative. Get this now.
1: Paul again uses pro welcome, receive, accept.
0: And here he uses it, what we call in the
1: past tense. Okay, but this time he refers to Christ. Notice Christ himself has welcomed both Gentiles and Jews.
0: Oh, my. You know, the text says Christ has welcomed you. That's the indicative, right? Watch this.
1: The you is plural. As we say in Alabama, y'all.
0: So it's not individual in the text. Christ has welcomed both the Jew and the Gentile. It's a done deal.
1: Reciprocity is not necessary. Do you know something?
0: I have a problem with this radical love only if I feel insecure. So if Jesus has his arms all around me, then I am free to put my arms around you because Jesus has his arms around me. This is how this thing works. And so I don't have to be worried about whether or not you respond. I'm safe in Jesus. I'm looking at our time.
1: Believers do through the Spirit because of what Christ has done.
0: Imperative indicative. We do because of what Christ has already done.
1: Just as a comparative conjunction, Jesus received believers when they were weak, ungodly, and enemies. Ah.
0: So if you all are going to wait for Gregory Allen to be perfect, then you're never going to welcome me. and vice versa. (laughs) But if we're following the guidance of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ loved his enemies, and that love broke the enemy's heart. We're talking about the gospel now. We're not talking about sociology and psychology and anthropology. This is how the gospel works.
1: saints, Paul is not calling for integration of Gentiles and Jews.
0: Uh, This is another problem. You know, when we think about getting together, we think about sociology, integration. That's not what Paul is talking about in Rome.
1: Here he evokes the horizontal meaning of the cross. Christ died so that he might create in himself one new man for the two resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross and put the hostility to death by it.
0: Now, most of the time when we think about salvation, remember we talked about it, we think about the vertical. But what is the Bible saying here? He's, it's talking about the horizontal. The cross, the cross, the cross makes us one new humanity in Jesus Christ. And when we divide, we are rejecting the cross. Let's get it clear. That's why Paul calls it sin. That's why Ellen White calls it
1: sin. Christ produced unity among believers truly glorifies God.
0: Did you get that? Christ produced glory, I mean, unity among believers truly glorifies God. You know, God gave his son. And one of the reasons that he gave his son so that we might be one Application questions.
1: What are the implications of this understanding of oneness in Christ? For Seventh-day Adventist identity, message, and mission.
0: Is this a good question? Now I want you to see something. I want you to see something.
1: Jesus says, by this All people will know you are my disciples, if you have love one for another.
0: Now, what I'm getting ready to say, and I hope you don't misunderstand me, but I probably will never be invited to camp meeting again. Okay? And I'm going to challenge you, and after our meeting, I want you to come and talk to me about this. You know, our old evangelists, I'm talking about way back in the 19th century, they would go into a town and they would challenge, you know, the most famous preacher in town and they would say, if you can show me where Sabbath was changed to Sunday, I'll give you $1,000. And you know, our old pioneers didn't have any money. Okay? So they knew you couldn't find it. I challenge you to show me where preaching the three angels' message comes before loving one another. Jesus Christ does not say by this, preaching the three angels' message, people will come to believe. He says the most powerful form of evangelism is for us, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, rich, poor, old, young, to love one another aggressively, intimately. He says, by this. Now, I I can't, I started to say, I'll give you a thousand dollars, but then I have to look at my (laughs) wife. Now, now, did I just say that the three angels' messages were unimportant? I didn't say that. We're writing a book right now on Revelation. I believe in those three angels. But I can show you place after place after place where Jesus is saying the same thing. And so we close up. Again, the question.
1: According to Paul... How is oneness in Christ achieved?
0: The definitive answer?
1: The paradox of God's grace mediated through the Spirit of Christ.
0: Okay. And so in order to understand how oneness is achieved, the first thing that you need is a tombstone. Now, you all get a good look at that tombstone. That's the first thing you need. And this is the paradox of grace. OK, so look at what God does. Look at what God does now. God's grace puts our ego, arrows, identity, preference, group, culture, desires, assumptions, dreams, my guilt, my shame, and my failure. Huh? Through the Holy Spirit, they all must die continuously. Do you all realize that part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to kill Gregory? To put me to death. And by the way, that's a good thing. So this is the first part of the paradox. We must do what? Die, Die. good, good. Now we're not gonna leave you in the ground now. We wanna show you something now. Now here's how it works in terms of this paradox, the spirits work. So look at the spirit coming down and tell him what must happen, hun.
1: The spirit des- destroys carnality, that is life according to the flesh. Yeah. So all of our fleshly thinking,
0: you know, I'm, I'm a male, so I'm better than a female. Is that fleshly? Yes. I'm an older person, so oh, these young people. Is that fleshly? Okay. So the Holy Spirit comes in by faith, by faith. He doesn't force his way in, and he has to destroy all of that stuff. Do you get it? But he does, doesn't do that. See, that's new. Then he comes in.
1: Provides the life of Jesus, life according to the Spirit.
0: Ah. (laughs) So do you see the exchange? Death and life, death and life. The Spirit works both in my mind and where? In my heart. To give me the mind of Christ, Uh uh-oh, you didn't see the whole thing, and the what? and the fruit of the, of the spirit. Okay, good. Now, let's really look at it for the last time. So, ethnic person B on one end, ethnic person A on the other. Naturally, culturally, there's conflict, and we're born with it. The question becomes, how is it resolved? Now, based on con- carnality, this is how it is resolved. Huh? Resolution based on the
1: fall. Control and domination, recreating the other in one's cultural image.
0: Uh. You know, so same thing in marriage.
1: You know, if, if if
0: Carol and I are having conflicts, one of the way that I one of the ways that I can try to resolve it is to make her into a man. Come on, brothers. <laughs> or vice versa, right? Yeah. And that's nothing but domination and what? Control. But now I want you to see something that is so beautiful, oh Lord, look at that cross. And so how according to Christ and him crucified? Well Paul tells us,
1: resolution based on the paradox of God's continuous grace, participation in the death and life of Christ through the Spirit.
0: So watch this now. So. Person B, ethnic person B, must experience the baptism into the death of Christ. But person A must also experience the same thing. So they both must do what? What's the D word? They must both die. But they don't need to stay dead because now they receive the newness of life through the spirit of Christ. Now, watch this, watch this. Everybody watch the screen. Look at what happens.
1: By beholding, we become changed.
0: And look at what happens to the distance between them. They become one in Christ Jesus. And so we close with the paradox of grace, the good news and each of us must get a brand new birth certificate. Come on, let's read it together. This is our new birth certificate.
1: I have been crucified with Christ. Come
0: on, together.
1: I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me.
0: I must die so that he can live. The Pauline solution.
1: Christ in you, the hope of glory.
0: Amen, Say. We have what? Six minutes? Questions, comments? Six minutes. Six minutes.
1: This one. Oh, they.
0: They. They're bringing the mic. Oh, my personal website?
1: They don't have one.
0: Yeah um it's going to be on the um camp meeting website yeah huh? yeah and and it's also on YouTube questions comments we have one here
1: can you get a little practical what's give me some realities of how to process this. Obviously, it's important for us to die personally in the process, but is there something practical we can do? Um, I mean, I will tell you, you know, if I ask people, they couldn't name the regional churches anywhere near them. I have to work on it, and I like to do that type of stuff. So, you know, what are some of the practical ways? I mean, what what, what have people tried? Yeah,
0: you know, um, and that's an excellent question, and remember that part of our heritage is Adventist you know, our leaders, Ellen White, was a Methodist. And one of the things about the Methodist, and it's part of our background as Adventists, when we hear something like this, we want a method.
1: <laughs>
0: no, 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 it's no, serious. It's yeah. no, serious, it's yeah. no, serious. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm born and raised. I know us, you know? So, so we have to become accustomed to the work of the Spirit. You know, the spirit, the spirit is never going to leave you or forsake you. The spirit's never going to let us down. And the spirit will surprise us, you know, because we're into control and we don't want to be surprised. But if we know and understand how much Jesus loves us, then we can trust him to do what he needs to do in our individual lives and in our group lives. You know, when when we wrote this book on Romans, do you know that Carol and I were both kind of like the same way of thinking? You know, and so we had written a chapter, a final chapter. We're Adventists, and we had methods like you wouldn't believe to achieve reconciliation and unity. And the Holy Spirit said, get rid of that chapter, that's my job. We didn't put it in. You know, the Bible says, Paul says, this is his thesis in Romans, the just shall live by faith. I know it's hard for us. <laughs> I get it. Next question? No more questions?
1: Hi. Okay. Oh. <laughs> um, you, one of the things that I appreciate that you brought out in your uh, diagram right of the pyramid was how you showed that there were obviously these two different groups, right? And when I, when I think about culture, I think oftentimes we always think about a color of someone's skin. We're talking about people's backgrounds, right? How they've grown up and all those different things. And that I think oftentimes, like you alluded to, that the idea of power comes up in our minds, that somebody has to give up something mm-hmm. in order for, for there to be. And yet you show that it's not about someone being in control. It's about Christ being in control. So that means that we don't have to demonize the other culture in order for there to be. So I appreciate that so very much about you bringing that out is that God, for for whatever reason, God has made us all different. And so we don't have to seek for control. I thank
0: you so much for bringing that out. Now we have less than a minute, but let, let me just say something to you, because you brought up something and we need some clarification quickly. <laughs> Do you all realize that ethnicity was not God's original plan, it was plan B? You, you all know that? You know, on, in, what is it, Genesis 11, you know, they were supposed to spread out, they were all speaking one language, you know, and they stopped. Huh? on the plain of Shinar, and they built them a... Huh? They rejected God's plan, and God said, these people are so good, and they're communicating so well, I will confound their language. That's how you get ethnicity. Based on disobedience. The Bible says we were created, how many blood? One in Jesus Christ. 315, God bless you and let's pray. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, we are amazed by your unconditional love in Jesus Christ. Yet, Jesus Christ died to create oneness that would attract sinners to salvation. In fact, Jesus prayed for unity among his people and the prayer of Jesus will be answered. Oh Lord, make us one through the power of your Holy Spirit so that the world might know bless us to that end we pray in jesus name amen to listen to more of these presentations you may visit the audio archives at misda.org audio 2021 or search for michigan conference camp meeting wherever you get your podcast